Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. My name is Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery. The dulcet tones of Ben McCallery. Very husky. Don't, and it, which sounds really good mm-hmm. for a podcast. Mm-hmm. My throat, though, not so good. Is it COVID? Not sure. Stay tuned. Watch this space. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the final episode of Season 9. And we've got a good old-fashioned hostful a hostful hoedown. To close the season out, what are we going to be talking about this episode? Hmm. Lots of things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been a while since, it's been a while between hostfuls, the last one being before we finished up at the end of 2021. So, I don't know, maybe like a recap of what's this year's looked like so far. Uh, and honestly... I mean, honestly, I don't know what this conversation will bring, but I also feel like there is this um, global underlying sense of what the hell are we doing now? And maybe it might be nice to talk about that so that you and I know we're not alone and that anyone listening knows that if they are feeling like that, I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. So... I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I've got a list of questions, oh, whether we get through them all, I'm not sure. But yeah, let's, uh, let's kick it off. So at the end of last episode, no, it was the beginning of last episode, you mentioned some announcements, I guess, for the, for the hostful um, that you're going to share with listeners mm-hmm. who have waited patiently for the last seven days or longer. Or longer, or shorter. Or shorter. Uh, I did, and that's true. And I do have something to announce. Actually, if you follow me on Instagram uh, and you caught my story last week, you may have already seen it. But I am, I'm traveling back in time to a simpler time. Yeah. Roughly 2012, so ten years ago. Like, remember that? Yeah. Great years. It was it. It's good years. I mean, I was severely (laughs) depressed, so I think I'm looking at it through rose. Tinted glasses. However, we hadn't heard of COVID. Mm. And lots of lots of stuff has shifted in the last um, 10 years. Anyway, all that to say, blogging was like at its heyday, maybe, in Australia. Really? I 10 like, years ago. Yeah. Uh, we're prob- I was probably late to the party. But lots of people blogged. I blogged as a way of finding connection and purpose and was part of your therapy almost, wasn't it? It was, yeah. like not on purpose, but it, yeah. it ended up being that because mm. it was a, a way for me to figure out what I was thinking and I do that by writing and B, to recognize that the stuff that I was dealing with and the things that I was interested in and the ways that I was trying to move forward with my life as a new mom, someone's you know, suffering with postnatal depression, someone who really, really didn't like who I was when I was trying to fit into the status quo. Like I wrote about all of that and I found out that there was a lot of people like me. So that was brilliant. And blogging in and of itself also introduced me to a whole community of writers in Australia who I got to meet and become friends with. And I, I think it was probably the first time that I ever felt like I'd found my people. Mm. I used to go to blogging conferences and stuff. I remember that. It was fun. I I really genuinely met some of my best, best friends Mm. doing that. So whether it is my nostalgia, you know, the last couple of years have sucked, 
um, nostalgia for that simpler time, whether it is the fact that social media is just not what it used to be. Mm. And I'm when I say social media, the only one I use is Instagram. I used to love Instagram back in the day. And now it's all... It's all about them reels. Got to make them reels. And I'm not going to because, oh, God, no, thank you. Like, I applaud anyone who can make it work for them. But that is not me. And that is not where I want to spend hours a week mm. in order to just, like, play the algorithm game. Yeah. Um, so I think all of those things amalgamated into my decision to bring back my blog. I'm going to party like it's 2012. So what does that look like then? So you and I had a robust discussion about this last week as to what it was going to look like. But where I've landed (laughs) is that I've started... Robust robust discussion. I would love to cut to, (laughs) no, smash cut to the dead set argument we had. (laughs) Really just really tackling the big issues, me and you. I have um, started a Substack, which is really a blog slash newsletter hybrid. A lot of writers have started Substacks over the last couple of years because it is a way of getting um, subscribers, so people who follow your work on Substack. It gets your writing in front of them. It gets into their inbox automatically, but it's also a way for people to support the writer's that they want to support financially. Yeah. Um, that's not what I'm doing at this point, but it is something that I'm working towards in terms of figuring out what, you know, a paid subscription might look like. Mm. But the blog is free. The blog is weekly. Um, and all you need to do to follow the blog is to head over to slowyourhome.com and there'll be a tab at the top, blog, click it, and that will take you over to Substack. Um, and you can... Subscribe from there. Is it any different to the love letters that you wrote? Maybe two or three. I can't even remember when you did that. The last time I wrote a slow post was almost two years ago. Yeah. Um, and the weekly love letters. Yeah. So that was a newsletter. Okay. This um, is this not is a, a newsletter. blog. Okay. What's the difference? Well, it's muddied now. Like a blog used mm. to live on a website that you would go to and um, then a newsletter would be like a MailChimp or something that would be sent out to you. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Substack kind of does both. It gives you the option for, for both to be the same thing. But my plan is over the next few weeks, I've got the blog up and running. Um, I'm about to hit publish as to, on today, the, the day that you and I are speaking, not the day that we're mm. putting this episode out. I'm about to hit publish on the first full um, post. But then the idea is to have a Friday newsletter as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I hear another robust discussion coming up. Well, you don't need to because I've already decided. I'm not looking for validation anymore. <laughs> I am moving forward. <laughs> so it's I am actually really excited to get back to writing regularly um, for people who are engaged in this idea. Like I don't want to have to fight for audience on social media. Hmm. You know, I really would like to develop a community over it. It's called the tortoise, by the way. Yeah. Great name. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. The tortoise. The tortoise. Um, you know, so develop a community over there. Yeah. So I'm just really excited to be writing again um, and curious about what it's going to look like. But yeah. 
Do subscribers of the past, you know, two years ago when they subscribed to oh. the love letters, yeah. are they automatically subscribed or not? I have tried. Right. So I'm in the process of bringing over all of the subscribers from the slow post to the tortoise. Um, and from what I can see, I've done that right, but I'm not actually sure. So if you're listening, you used to get the slow post in um, your mailbox feel free to sign up to the tortoise uh, anyway and i it shouldn't double up it shouldn't double up so um but apologies if it does yeah yeah during the season you had a milestone birthday i did tell me what that felt like for you <laughs> as as someone who's recently had a milestone birthday and felt very weird about it mm how did you feel about turning 40 it's interesting. I think so leading up to it, I had a few moments where I'm like, oh my God, you know, I remember when my parents turned 40 and that yeah. felt old. That's the big, that was the big thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they didn't feel old and now we are them. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I th yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a whole thing, but I think most of those like wobbles that I had in the lead up to my 40th were not so much because that's how I was feeling. Mm. It was more because that's the narrative, you know, that we should feel nervous or like diminished somehow or uh, apprehensive about turning 40. Or mo just feeling mortal, really, really yeah. mortal. Yeah. And I get, I get all of that. I do understand it. But when I actually sat down on the morning of my birthday and I was journaling. I was just sitting there having some time and I realized I was really excited. Were well, you? Yeah. Genuinely filled with optimism and joy. And it struck me doubly because firstly, that's not how we're supposed to feel. And I've had many conversations since where in fact, actually it's how a lot of people feel. feel. It's just yeah. not the socially acceptable story. But also because it was at odds with how I have felt all year. I haven't felt full of optimism and joy. So it was really noticeable. And just by pure accident, timing, mm. coincidence, the notebook that I use for my morning writing practice and my poetry had run out the day before my birthday. So I got to start a brand new, fresh notebook on my 40th birthday and it felt like a sign Yeah. that, you know, it's a, it's a chapter. I had come across the idea of life being broken into chapters recently, quite a few times. It kind of kept bubbling up to the surface and that's really what it felt like. It was the beginning of a new chapter and well, yeah, that's just a word to describe it. It was genuinely very helpful for me because we get to decide what we write, mm. you know, and I think the idea of mortality, when it is attached to this this feeling of optimism, is really one of action. It 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 leads me to action. Yeah. Rather than just dreaming, you know, there's a real energy and a real momentum behind me at the moment. Well, that it's been less than a month since you've turned forty. Yeah. What sort of action have you taken so far? Uh, well, I mean, in terms of my work, 
I've started writing again consistently. The tortoise. The tortoise and, uh, you know, the newsletter, whatever that's going to look like. I'm doing some freelance writing. And I've also just taken, over the weekend, made the decision to take a break from the fiction book that I'm writing mm. because it felt... So action can also be stopping something. Yeah. Um, it felt like I was wrestling really hard and really um, energetically, like it was really depleting me rather than when I first started and for the first six months of working on that project. You I just flew through it and yeah. it felt there was ease. Yeah. And I know that there, there are going to be times where it is a slog, whatever it is. But then there's also times where you're kind of fighting yourself. And I feel like that's one of those, this is one of those times. And I've listened to quite a few podcasts and interviews with writers recently that really gave me permission to say, maybe this is not the right time for this project right now. Mm. Maybe I need my characters and my world to just sit somewhere else for a little while and give myself permission to move on to something new and come and, and just trust that it will, it will come back you, when it's you'll come right. back to when you're ready. Exactly. What did you get up to? Like, where is it? Where is the book at? So I'm in, I'm well into the second draft. I think I mentioned on the podcast a while ago. So I wrote the first draft as kind of a discovery draft. It was a real mess, but I learned a lot about my characters and the world and the story. I then went and outlined it. So I knew where the gaps were. I knew what parts of the first draft were never, ever going to see the light of day. And I mean, looking at our spare bed now, it kind of looks like a serial killer lives here because I've got, I don't know. 150 index cards spread out in sequential order of the rough outline of the story. Well, like how some of them have like, they've fallen off the bed. They're on the ground as well. Like I've, I've, Those ones have been removed on purpose. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, it does look pretty crazy, honey. It, it, it does. And yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, so my goal today is to put them in order and then pack them away for a while. Okay. So yeah, that I mean, to me that feels like action as action well. Action can be well. You're taking a you're taking a stand. You're taking a path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I, I wasn't before. I could convince myself that I'm working on my book when really I was going over and over and over the same spot because I wasn't there yet. So that feels like a really lovely liberation. Yeah. And as a result. Now I've got all these other ideas that had been put on the back burner uh, that I can actually spend some time and energy on. And I think it's about going where the positive energy is to a certain extent, you know, and finding where there's ease, not easy, but mm. where there's ease. And that book that I'm looking at on the bed at the moment, it's not, it's not there easy. right now. Yeah. It's, not, it's not there yeah. right now. There's no ease. Mm. But, you know, riding the tortoise, that feels, again, not easy it's like a, I'm rusty. Getting mm. back to that sort of writing, I'm rusty. But there's ease there. So I think it's kind of learning how to trust in, in that feeling is a huge part of maybe getting older. Yeah. You know. You've also taken up a, a passion project slash hobby, albeit you did start before you're 40, but you're really, really getting into it, mm. a.k.a becoming slightly obsessed <laughs> yep. with it. Tell us about it. So for Christmas, you gave me uh, a pottery class, 
like a, a wheel throwing pottery class for beginners. And I love it. I absolutely love it. It is no surprise really, because it is all about uh, slowing down and paying attention to your senses. So yeah. if you and could, a small, small detail, like the small tiny thing. details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you could pick a creative pursuit that sort of was a summation of slow living, it would probably be pottery. Yeah. Because you think about the materials, they're you know they are literally from the, the ground. Earth. Yeah. They are perpetually um, renewable, like recyclable. So until you actually fire a pot, you can break it back down to clay and reuse it a hundred times. My teacher said the other day, the clay that we're actually using was his father's. And my teacher's like 60 uh, and it would be at least 40 years old. So some of that clay is 40 years old and it would have been formed into hundreds of vessels and shapes over the years. The clay is as old as you. Ah, yeah. There you go. And then the actual act of throwing is all about getting centered, you know, and that's to me is slow living. It's about like sinking into the process of centering yourself and then noticing when you are and when you aren't. And it's, it's really, um, what's the word? It's subtle. It's all really subtle. So you have to pay attention. And there are many times where it's like, Oh, I'm working this too hard. I'm trying too hard. I need to stop. Dial back. Yeah. I need to start again. Mm. And the, you know, you know, for me, the idea of starting again is like... So lots of like resetting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And being okay with it. And I've discovered that I'm a very slow learner. I'm like when I learned to ski, same thing. It was so annoying because you were so fast at learning how to ski. Mm. And I was so slow. But falling and making mistakes and feeling what I was doing before I made that mistake and reflecting on that over days or weeks... That's the only way I learn. So what I love about pottery is that you're encouraged to make mistakes. You know, you're encouraged to to pull the clay up until it loses it, cent, center and kind of, you know, it collapses in on itself or whatever. So it's permission to mm. just pay attention. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I'm really, really absolutely loving it. And it's interesting though. I'm already having to fight that urge that I have. Which is like, maybe I could make this into my job. Like, I just need to let it be a hobby and to be something that I'm bad at. Yeah. In order to be okay at. Yeah, it's interesting though, that capitalist mindset is so deeply entrenched. I'm so happy you're enjoying it. And you and you're gonna keep going. I am I'm definitely I've already signed up for next term. Yeah. Um Yeah, I just thoroughly thoroughly love it. And I'm very grateful to you for my Christmas present. Thank you. <laughs> so with the first quarter of the year gone so far, mm-hmm. how are you feeling about uh, the whole uncertainty, I guess, oh. of, of virtually everything that's happening at the moment? Mm. Like case in point, right now, our son's quite sick. Like yep. he's asleep on the couch with headache, fever and... Is like negative on a rat test for mm-hmm. the last couple. And you're like, is he just normally sick? Does he just have... Because that still happens. Yeah. The flu or a cold or whatever. I'm not feeling great. I don't think any of us are feeling great. But so... I've tested negative on rat... Like, it's so... <laughs> are you allowed to be normal sick? 
Well, I mean, this is it. You were asking me lots of questions this morning and I'm like, I don't have the answers. You know, what should we do? We should, you know, should we isolate? Should we, yeah. you know, act as though the symptoms are the positive result rather than... Oh, I mean, no, it's just crazy. And this is the uncertainty. And this is just one it's thing. a tiny part of it, to be honest. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how am I feeling? Tired. Okay. <laughs> by it all. I'm really tired of it yeah. all. I'm frustrated by it. I like to think that I am someone who is pretty decent at flexing with the situation of life, whatever that is. Uh, and I think I have been, but really finding it difficult. Yeah. Very much finding it difficult, which makes me think that lots of people are finding it difficult. I've had loads of conversations with people who are just, and it doesn't matter what our circumstances are. You know, I feel like everyone, everyone is obviously existing in this COVID impacted world i was going to say post-covid but it's certainly not that yeah and it's funny i remember saying relatively early on with covid that i had great optimism that it was going to be the reset that society needed Mm -hmm. and this was back in 2020 when it was like everyone was thrilled because there was dolphins back in the venetian canals and uh you know you could see the himalayas from india and uh, you know, people were waking up to birds chirping and they lived in the city and all that sort of stuff. Like there was real optimism there. Um, and I remember saying that my concern was it wasn't going to last long enough for it to make any real societal change. That obviously has not been the case because we're two years in. This We're in our third year now of COVID and it certainly lasted long enough. Um, but there is no roadmap. Mm. for what societal change is going to look like. And I have I had conversations on the weekend with people who I never thought would engage with this idea of like the great reset. Um, and I don't mean that in the way that the internet has made the great reset sound. <laughs> That's like a whole conspiracy theory. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, you know, people who I never thought would want anything other than the status quo in their own lives and in society because it was working for them. You know, they benefited from it. And they're struggling and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, I don't want to go to my old job anymore, even though I have actually quite like it. I, there's a a lack of purpose. So I think that we're all kind of stuck in this, this moment where the majority of people are like, we need change. We need it big change. We need, um, a complete rethink of the way that the world is structured um, and the, the economic structures and everything. But the people who make the decisions about that are politicians mm-hmm. and corporations, mm-hmm. and they both have the most to lose by changing it. And they're scared. So I think we're all in that place because most of us aren't politicians and we're not CEOs. Yeah. So we're not in a position to make the big sweeping policy changes and we feel a bit helpless. I know I certainly do. So it's, it is an opportunity and an invitation to really get granular with how we can make changes in our own lives. But then tied up in all of that is privilege and access and time and capacity. So, you know, welcome to my brain. Yeah. Messy. Yeah. 
And I feel, I feel sad. Yeah. Honestly, I feel quite sad because I don't want to miss this opportunity, but I don't know what it looks like to seize it, you know? Does that relate? Do you resonate with that at all or? Yeah, I think that, I think things are changing now. And you know how you're, you're, you're sort of, you're, you're painting a picture of, okay, but something's got to happen mm. for, for the whole thing to change. I feel like it's changing just because, mm. like organically at that grassroots level. But don't you feel that there is a pushback from grassroots level? Yeah, I, wave, I agree with but you. But the wave will be too strong. Do you think so? Well, because it's not going, like, it's not going to just finish next week. No, of course it's or not. Or after and... the Australian election. That'll, oh, you know, like, yeah. it's going to keep going. Yeah. And there'll be a bit more strains or whatever it is and more uncertainty. The great resignation's going to keep on happening. The labour market's going to, like, keep on changing Mm. We don't know what that looks like. People's mental health, Ooh. you know, are going to, it's going to be a years from now, it's going to be even, you know, I just feel like there's this wave mm. that an organic wave that's just going to flood every aspect of, you know, what, what it was to be living in a normal, the normal pre-COVID, pre-COVID yeah. world. So you have a much different insight than I do because you do work in corporate environments. You've actually been going into the city one day a week this year, um, sometimes more. What do you think it this organic wave of change will look like? Like how how do you see that unfolding? Because yeah, I don't know because it's going to be a collective change that'll just and and I really don't it's not going to happen overnight and it's going to take like many years for mm. it to bear fruit and mm. be realized but I think because you actually don't know what the future looks like until you know you're in the future and looking back and looking back and, at it so you can say the reason that this it's, now is like this is because we went through this we're in the whirlpool right now mm. of this organic wave mm. <laughs> okay <laughs> it's really hard to but I just, I feel like it, the change is happening mm. and it's happening now and we're all really impatient about like why, but why can't I see the change? Mm. And we won't see the change until maybe a decade from now and we look back and go, there it was. That's, yeah. That's, that's when it was. Right. Okay. I mean, well, that's equal parts hopeful and depressing because <laughs> I'm like, Where's the change? Yeah. Uh, but also makes The sense. revolution is not going to happen. Oh, really? The storming of the capital is not going to happen. The storming of the capital did happen, honey, on the 6th of January a couple of years ago. <laughs> Didn't go well. Yeah, I just, I feel like the revolution is not, you can't pinpoint this one event that will sure. change everything. Yeah. It's just going to be a... A more of an evolutionary change. So what I hear you saying or what I take from what you're saying, and I know you're guessing as best as everyone else, but it's to have faith. It's to have faith that the things that we do today, as tiny as they are, as insignificant as they seem, they do matter. So the conversation that you have with a colleague about wanting to extend your working from home situation, that matters. Because perhaps that colleague and you then talk to a manager and perhaps 
over the period of 12 months, that manager has many of those conversations. Yeah. And then policy policy shifts. And, you know, um, similarly with climate activism, the difference there is that people very much feel a sense of urgency because it is a physical sense of urgency based in reality, based in what's happening around us, yeah. you know, right now. Yeah. We've lived through another bizarre, awful summer in Australia. Um, so people feel that very urgently. Um, but I, I think what I'm taking from this, I'm choosing to take from this anyway, is that the small actions matter. Mm-hmm. The conversations matter. Mm-hmm. The um, the changes that you can make matter. So yeah. don't think that they're too small to make. Make them. Just make them and, you know, be courageous about it. And if you can't, then you can't. That's okay. But if you can, then we should. I really like that. I really like that. And that forms part of that momentum, right? That momentum which creates the wave. You yeah. know, that's that's what it's going to be, yeah. that grassroots level. So, I mean, when, I, when I'm, we're talking about this stuff, I'm thinking about particularly about, you know, societal stuff, about working from home, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it applies to everything, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, really, that was a very long-winded way of saying that I have mixed feelings <laughs> about this The year. start of the year. Let's talk about, though, another big change within our lives this year, and that's been our elders starting high school. Oh, yeah. And the changes that have been felt at the home front. Mm. So, you and I had a conversation at the end of last year, knowing that our daughter was starting high school um, and also knowing that I needed to spend time focusing on my health um, and knowing that I didn't have a book coming out and all of this stuff. This year was an opportunity, I think, for us to shift, to have shifted the way that you and I work and the way that we work in a paid capacity, but also in the way that we work at home in an unpaid capacity in parenting and mm-hmm. home stuff. So essentially what that looks like is you've taken on a hell of a lot more work this year. You're much busier than you have been for a very long time and I have stepped back. So as I said before, you know, I'm doing a bit of freelance writing, um, working on the tortoise. I have some nebulous ideas for programs and stuff, but the reason I'm doing this is A, to be more available to the kids and I have been, and I'm so incredibly grateful that I've had that opportunity because it's been bumpy. Yeah. The first term has been really bumpy, you know, for our daughter, but also just in terms of shifting the rhythm of our family and knowing that we'll be doing it again next year when our son starts high school. Um, you know, putting in that groundwork, I think, is really important. Um, and the other reason that I've done it is because I need to focus on my health. So I'm really, probably the reason I'm also feeling quite muddled about this year is like, I have, I've had to step back from work Mm. and all these ideas that I had at the end of last year, my health's like tapping me on the shoulder going, mate, you, you can't, you cannot do this right now. So like, that's, It's both a privilege, absolutely a massive privilege to have the flexibility to be able to do that. And it's not one that I bear lightly, but it's also a real head trip 
Yeah. It's really rough on my ego and my sense of value and sense of self-worth. And even that in itself is a head trip because I recognize the reason I struggle with my sense of value and self-worth when I'm not doing as much paid work is because society undervalues unpaid work. It undervalues the hours that I spend with the kids talking and bonding and helping and whatever they need, you know, just being available. That's undervalued. And the stuff that we do at home, uh, you know, to minimize our impact and the stuff that I do in the garden and the way, like the hours that I spend in the kitchen, preserving and freezing and batch cooking, undervalued, not valued. No. Not valued at all. No. So I'm wrestling with that too. I'm like, the stuff that I'm doing is valuable, but it's not valued. Mm. Um, you know, meanwhile. And there's only so many times I can say, I know. thank you, like you're doing a great job. Yeah. Oh, of course. You and know, it's not, like, and that's not only, that's an inside, this is an inside job. It's not something that yeah, I know, you can I know. But fix. Yeah. It's bigger than that. You it's know. a yeah. whole story that yeah. we've been told since we were tiny children, you know. How's your parenting changed with a high schooler? Like, what are, what are you having to, <laughs> you know, tilt into? Um, shutting up sometimes. Seriously. Like, I'll say, do you need to vent or are you looking for a solution? Advice. That's such a, yeah, descriptive way of talking now for us. Yeah. Because my, um, and I, for years, I would jump down your throat when you would do this. I'm like, I don't need a solution. I just need you to listen to me. Yeah. As a parent, that hasn't been the case up until now. And now I have to adopt that, that default question, you know, and you've got to let kids make their own mistakes mm. and learn their own lessons. But I mean, we're all making it up as we go. Let's be honest. <laughs> Because there will be times where you need to offer some kind of insight or they will ask mm. and you just make your best guess. And I know we've said it before, um, we will screw up so many times. We'll make the wrong choice so many times and we don't know. We will never be able to tell what then becomes our kids' truth, what memories stick and what don't. Yeah. You know, and that is terrifying that it's out of our control but it is out of our control so they will inevitably inherit hang-ups and chips on their shoulders because of the way we parent it's my hope that when they talk to their therapist about it (laughs) none of it is catastrophic none of it's terrible you know and sometimes i think that is almost the permission slip i need to go okay well i'm doing my best and that is all I can ask of myself. Mm. So again, it's another another head trip. One of the biggest ways that I think you've changed that has been really beneficial is that when the kids get home from school, not that you didn't do it before, but when they get home from school and they're in that hangry, <laughs> fragile state, you make yourself available mm. and you're there to listen. And you're there to feed them. Yep. And that, I think that is, that is the most important time. Yeah. I think the way that our family is structured, you know, in terms of um, time, like time, the way that our days are structured, that is the time that is the most important. Yeah. I think whatever that looks like, 
it could be being at home when the kids get home from school or it could be after dinner, cleaning up the kitchen, cooking dinner together, you know, before they go to bed, whatever. It's having that window where they know if they need to, mm. they can talk to you. Yeah. So for me, like I said, that's, that's you know, pretty much when they get home um, and often an encore just before bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. That's part of the job. Um, you know, it's, I've reflected a lot on it and I don't know if I would have had the energy, the emotional energy to shift into this new period of parenting mm. um, if I was still drinking. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I, I've thought about it a lot and I'm not talking about, you know, drinking heavily or anything like that. But for me, even a glass of wine... Um, disconnected me like it, it it disengaged me a bit and you know if the kids were like oh mom can you lay with me before I go to bed or whatever I just wouldn't have that sliver of extra patience or energy that I needed because I disconnected you know and I disengaged from the day because yeah it was just it's something that I've reflected on a lot over the last three months and I just don't know, but I don't think that I would have been able to be a, as giving of myself, I think. But maybe that's also because I get up earlier and I have this ritual in the morning that is giving to myself yeah. from myself. So possibly it's not the having a glass of wine that's doing it. It's the extra hours, half an hour sleep, good sleep that I'm getting that allows me to do that. I don't know. Mm. That's it. That's a really interesting observation. Yeah. I never would have connected those dots yeah i just i truly feel that i am less when i was drinking i was um far more likely to phone it in more regularly than now of course there's days of course there's going to be days there's yeah. moments where you're like actually i i can't but they come far less often than they used to another big change in our family has been which has corresponded with our eldest now attending high school over Christmas, she got a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. And with that mobile phone came social media. Yep. And I know you've touched on it at the beginning of the episode about your relationship with social media and how you're just so over it. Mm. How, how have you managed the introduction of social media and what has that looked like? I because think- it's such a... Oh loaded area that so many people come unstuck on i mean i put out a uh on funnily enough on instagram a couple of weeks ago um some thoughts that i've been having about what next season will look like and the number one topic that came through all of the comments from people on instagram was um parenting slash technology slash COVID, like the yeah. the point yep. in the middle where all of those three things cross because tech has played a much greater role and a more important role, central role to our kids um, over the last couple of years with at-home learning than it ever has before. So it's muddied the waters even more around what is useful tech time and what is... Um, not useful tech time. But to answer your question about how we approached social media, 
we approached it like three years ago is how we approached it. It mm. has been an ongoing conversation. Our rule was always that the kids aren't to have social media until they're 12 and just because she didn't get her phone till Christmas and she was nearly 13. So we had a very strong foundation of why we're hesitant to let her on social media and so many of our decisions around what we do and don't let our kids do and watch and access on um, tech is not a punishment. It's not because we like saying no. It's because our number one job as parents is to protect them. Yeah. And it's hard to have that conversation without then going into, well, what are you protecting me from? What aren't we protecting you you from? Yeah. You know, yeah. the internet is a wonderful tool and has opened up so many opportunities as I've just spoken about a lot before, but it's also a really scary place where people can access content that is psychologically damaging, where they can be taken advantage of, where they can get a twisted view of the reality of the world, the truth of the world. And that's hard enough for adults to deal with. You put that in a 10-year-old's brain, a 12-year-old's brain, man, we don't know what that's doing yet. No. So I'm not anti-tech, obviously. She has a mobile phone. I have a mobile phone. We use tech all the time. But I am very much mindful of what they are consuming. Um, so at the moment, she has Instagram. Mm -hmm. And the rule is that you and I are her friends on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and we keep a close eye on that. Yeah. I liked Instagram. Like back I, in the day. Back in the day. Like Me too. We've got, that's my only social media thing. So the rule for her is the rule for me as well. Yep. Um, but Instagram now, for, for all I can see, is like TikTok. Yeah, well, because like TikTok exploded, right? And then Facebook's like, well, we need to compete with TikTok. Right. So, um, but yeah, it is mostly videos. Isn't it? Like it's just those, yeah, you just see those videos and yeah. you just mindlessly scroll those videos. Yeah, I guess so, you know, and, and I see it happening. I see her disappear down that rabbit hole and it's so difficult because my instinct is to say, stop doing that. Mm -hmm. But that stops being effective after a little while. And we all need to make our own discoveries and figure, like make our own mistakes and figure out what's right for us and, and not. And also, who am I to, I mean, <laughs> our kids are growing up in such a, difficult time I, mm. I i really my heart is breaking for them because you hear like you and i struggle we're struggling um and they're growing up in an era where no one knows what the hell to do like the adults in the room who are meant to know don't know and they're not stupid kids are not dumb they feel that and they feel that pressure yeah i know she does i know our son does we've had com many conversations about it yeah and um you know, if she finds disengagement from the worries of the world by watching stupid TikTok videos for half an hour, can I really tell her not to? Mm. You know, she and I, we've had lots of conversations about finding something else to do that won't replace it because I'm realistic about it. You know, it is part of the world. It's part of their lives. It's how they communicate. It's how they find a sense of belonging sometimes. And she learns stuff too, mm. which I really like. She comes to me with things that she's watching. Um, or, you know, consuming and she's learning things and she's using it as a sounding board for like, who am I? 
what feels right? What are my values? What, you know, where am I drawn to? And because you and I are engaged with that, we're able to kind of help her help. monitor that. Yeah. yeah. You know, but she wants to learn to crochet and I'm happy, really happy to have something to help her keep her hands busy, you know, and she's doing a mindfulness course for teenagers and they're all helping, but they're not ever going to stop. She's not ever going to stop wanting to engage with it. So who am I to try and shame her about it? You know, I think shame's a really terrible parenting tool it that is. I'm trying very hard to get out of the habit of using, mm. Mm. you know, um, engaging and having a conversation, asking questions and listening, listening is from my experience going to give you far better results. So it's, again, it's a job, but parenting is a job. Mm. And you're doing a really good job mm. at it. And that, 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 uh, as I said, that, that hour that you spend with them when they get home is huge. Well, thank you, honey. Huge. It's, I don't have all the answers. And I know a lot of people want us to dig deep into that kind of, that point, that, that crossover point between parenting and tech and COVID. So I think we'll probably do that in an episode next season um, is the plan. But yeah, if you're feeling the pressure, if you're feeling it, it's difficult, you're not alone. And also you didn't do anything wrong. The kids needed to use tech over the last couple of years to a much larger extent. And you were trying to juggle um, working from home and getting by in a pandemic and all of the other stuff that kind of, I'm talking to you generally, people listening, you know, all the other stuff that the last two years have thrown at us. If your kids watched more YouTube than they ever would have previously or more Netflix or whatever, it's okay. Mm. Don't give yourself a hard time about it. You know, no one's done this before. No one has parented children in the age of technology through a two years plus pandemic. No one's done it. Now, before we wrap up, I know, um, and I'm conscious, we need to just give a little bit of an update on your dad. So I know <laughs> last year we spent quite a bit of time talking about him and his health. Mm. It was like 12 months ago that it all... All went down. All went down. Almost to the day, 12 months ago, that he ended up in hospital. Yeah. So he made a point at Christmas <laughs> that we you hadn't given an update. So I thought I had, but... Yeah. If, you, if we had, well, I felt like we did as well. But anyway, just a quick update on mm. your dad. Dad's doing great. Dad's phenomenal. You know, and I think the reason that I really dropped off talking about it was... Um, I did something during last year that I've never done before on the podcast, which was to talk about things before I'd fully processed them. Um, and that was probably just a response to being completely overwhelmed and wanting to continue to put the show out. I had a book coming out, like there was lots of moving parts. So I found myself sharing things that I hadn't processed for at all, if not you know, fully. And then um, it became clear like August last year, maybe, after a few months that dad was recovering and that was not something that was really on the cards for a while there. Um, yeah. You know, then it shifted back to being his story to tell, not mine. Yes. You know? I've, yeah. There was a point. You just was like, that. that's the point. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I think I became which is, conscious. Which of, is fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I became yeah. really conscious of the fact that I had spoken about him on this point. And he listens. Hi, dad. Um, I had spoken about him a lot on this podcast and, and it, it just shifted. It was all mm. very messy. I'd never done anything like that before, never gone through anything like that before. But 
to anyone who has found themselves curious over the last six months, um, Dad has made a full and complete recovery. Um, A.K.A. Lazarus. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's back to his hardworking, entirely engaged, role model-esque self. I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe describe mm-hmm. it other than he's doing phenomenally well. And I've had many comments over the last six months or so from people who listen to the podcast, follow us on social media, whatever, just checking in, um, mm. you know, saying, hope your dad's doing well. And I can say to all of you that he is doing well. So um, I'm sorry, dad, that that update didn't come earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but there was in good intention behind it is what I'll say. But man, what a year. What a year. What a year this week's been. <laughs> That's going to be the title of this episode. Okay. <laughs> um, so there go, there goes, there goes my brain. Mm. So that wraps up the episode and the season. Does indeed. Do you want to give a brief uh, shout out to anyone in particular? You. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the most leading of leading questions. I'd like to give a shout out to you. Thank you. I. What about next season? What's happening? Well, I don't know who I'll shout out next season. <laughs> <laughs> No, next season um, is in works. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I, I think it will be a different format. Mm. Um, I have been making almost all of my decisions based on gut instinct lately, which I really like. I enjoy that as a decision-making tool. Mm-hmm. And my gut was telling me that there's space in this conversation around slow living to dig more deeply into like slow living not no not even that just issues that people are facing and looking at it through the lens of slow living okay you know so like we opened the episode with talking about uncertainty how do we how do we face a time maybe a whole year or decade generation of uncertainty through the lens of slow living like what does it offer us mm-hmm. you know um and get really practical with it um same thing with tech and parenting and all that sort of stuff. So next season, I think, will be m- more conversations of you and I mm-hmm. doing that that digging. Uh, and I'm quite looking forward to it, actually. I think changing up the format's always good for energy of the show as well. Yeah. But um, I've very much enjoyed this season. I feel like we've had really good conversations. So also shout out to all the guests on this season um, for showing up, you know, with their hearts on their sleeves, which is something I always, always really appreciate because I know it takes a toll. Mm-hmm. So if you've missed any episodes from this season or if you want to go back and re-listen or check out our guests, you can head to slowyourhome.com slash season nine and all of the show notes for all the episodes will be there. So season 10 will be back in your e-holes sometime soon-ish. Keep an eye out on... Um, social media um, on Instagram for that and also if you don't want to miss anything go and sign up to the tortoise get into the tortoise get into the tortoise so go to slowyourhome.com there'll be a tab at the top for blog hit that and add your email and um, I really look forward to being um, in your inbox every week I guess Yeah. yeah heroes in a half shell tortoise power great place to end Thank you, listeners. Love you all. Bye.